0: To make a film, it's important to like have the time to make it, obviously, but it's also important to have like little moments to breathe in between. People need to remember that like the time is also for you as a director to like prepare yourself, not just for pre-production, not for just like checking off like everything that you need, water bottles, location, all that blah blah blah. Everyone could use more time in pre-production for that stuff. But it's also important to like as a director to just like fully take that time to tune in yourself to the story, to the characters, and this story that you just want to bring to life.
1: My name is Wes Gibbons, and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. You just heard part of my conversation with writer, director, and 1st AD, Sasha Garcia. We discussed her work as both a director and 1st AD, how her background affects her storytelling, and the impact she hopes to have on the film industry. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 65 of the Tungsten Originals podcast. <laughs> Sasha, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I really appreciate you coming on. We have gotten to work together on Junk. Sadly, I couldn't be on set, but we got to work together in like the pre-production, you know, process. But I've heard a lot about you through our SCAD peers, and I'm really excited to have you on because I think you have a really interesting story and an interesting future ahead of you. So um, I'm excited to just like dive in.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you are a writer and director and a first AD. That's what you did on Junk. You were a first AD, a fantastic first AD. And um, from what I've read on your website, though, whenever you applied to SCAD, which is where we both went to for film school, you didn't know exactly what you wanted to do. You said that you were originally a writer and you wanted to go into like novel writing. Um, mm-hmm. So, did you like apply to SCAD with? Like getting, because you can get just a straight writing degree or a dramatic writing degree at SCAD. Was that the original major for you?
0: One hundred percent. I I had an aunt who, as a little girl, she came to SCAD for illustration, and you know, she would always tell me stories about Lacoste and about mm-hmm. like how beautiful Savannah was. And she ended up working for Disney, and I was like, okay, maybe the school's. <laughs> maybe this goes on to something. And so like all like ever since I was a little girl, like I loved writing. Um, my grandma, she was an author. She like wrote books and published them. And so I just always grew up with like that storytelling aspect in my life. And I was the girl in middle school who would literally like for hours just stay in my room and like write chapters like, chapters of books and, like, create worlds and all that. And then, like, suddenly I just got, like, this insane writer's block and I just didn't write anything. I didn't do anything. And I remember for an assignment in school, I had to shoot a music video of, like, a like a historical event. So I chose, like, this Native American war um, as a music video <laughs> to make. And in just shooting with like my dad's camera and just gathering my friends and like having them act in it and then me editing it, I was like, this is like another form of storytelling that doesn't involve me just like sitting at my desk and trying to like rack these words out onto like the page. And so in high school, there was a film class I was offered and you know, I started, I took it and I was like, if I like it, I think this is what I'm going to do. And I really liked it. (laughs) And so like, definitely like, I mean, SCAD was always on the radar since I was six. I was going to come to like for creative writing. And then last minute senior year, I just made the switch and I did, I chose film. I knew nothing about film, like literally nothing. I just like completely went into it blind, but I was just also very excited because I had no idea what it entailed. So
1: yeah, yeah. So then, whenever you took film 100, which is like our first, you know, the entry level film class, did were, were you like, okay, this is? I was right.
0: <laughs> yes, and I remember in my film 100, I was paired up with because I know production design majors also have to take film 100. Right. And my group, in my group of like five people, I was the only one who like was a film major.
1: Oh, So wow.
0: everyone else, yeah. <laughs> so everyone else in my group sort of like backed off because they were like, mm. I'm not film. So, like, this is all you. And I was like, okay. And so I really, I really dove like head first into film because I produced, I directed, I shot. And I edited my first like film, which I everyone does at some point at Scad. Everyone wears all the hats at some point. But like my first time ever making a film, like doing like doing all the hats at once, I was just like, oh my gosh, (laughs) not at all what I expected. But weirdly enough, I loved it, and I loved like taking on every single role. And from then on, I was like, okay, I definitely like to do that. I definitely hate doing this you know yeah but yeah so that's that's sort of like how like what 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 my experience was first coming to Scad.
1: so when did you start going along the path of being both a writer and director which is you know of course one really specific path but also being a first assistant director which is another specific path you know there is crossover in some ways but so when did that kind of start becoming at the forefront of what you wanted to do
0: yeah so i i don't know why when i first came to scat i was like i'm gonna be an editor and then <laughs> i sat down for hours on my computer and i was like i don't like this at all <laughs> and but you know i still had that sense of like you know i love to write i've all, i've been writing my entire life and i was like okay i can still write it'll just be, yeah, it'll just be more visual. And I definitely, um, I also have a minor in dramatic writing because writing for, like, novels is so different than screenplays because screenplays have to be so concise mm-hmm. and you can't write what the characters are thinking because you can't see what the characters are thinking and you have to show, not tell, and this and that, blah, blah, blah. So there's all these little tiny, minute rules that, like, just I just never like it's I it's definitely an art to perfect screenwriting um cuz anyone can write a screenplay but like to truly like capture theme capture character and make it interesting and like the worst thing you want to see on a script is like and i understand this is like somewhat like other people's style of course but sometimes it's just like when it's like all this like super long narrative descriptive like very prosy to the point where it's like i don't know what i'm reading anymore right um it has to be equal parts beautiful but also like to the point if that makes sense mm. um so that intrigued me sort of like this like super switch on like this way of writing. And I did once let someone else direct something that I wrote and I was like, I don't like this. (laughs) Like it's, you know, it's that, you know, like selfish way of thinking of like, this is my story. And like, this is what I thought of it. And like what I thought the characters would say and how they would say it and stuff. Um, and maybe i'll let someone else direct something that i write in the future who knows but just genuinely now i also just really love the the role of a director and just like making a film and just you know like any screenwriter you see the film when you're writing it and so like i like i write it and I, like sometimes i write a script and i'm like i'm so excited to shoot this i'm so i like i see it like i'm so mm-hmm. ready to shoot this one scene um so that's sort of like how, yeah, Everett, like like I said, first Film 100 class, wrote, directed, did everything. Um, and then since then, I've just been um, on as many projects as I could, um, written and directed it. But then, so sophomore year, um, beginning of sophomore year, I wish I had a better answer to so, like why I thought like being an AD was like my calling but genuinely, I was just like, I don't know what this is. I'm gonna try it. <laughs> I just like I because like you hear like the typical cinematographer role, producer right. role, director role, and I was like, first assistant director, like what even is that? <laughs> and so I saw this this senior thesis was looking for a first AD and me not knowing anything, I was like, apply. And I got it. And, um, at that point I was like, what am I doing? And I, um, at the time the TA for my producing class, she AD'd a lot. She, um, she was a grad student and she had AD'd a couple of times. So I reached out to her and she honestly told me the basics. You know, you have to make the schedule, you have to make the call sheet, you have to, you know, work with the director and work the DP and just make sure that like, make sure that everything they have planned to shoot happens in that you just don't waste time on set. And so I was like, okay. And so I um <laughs> I went into it and what's really interesting was like to this day my first A D job was the worst A D job I've <laughs> ever had. Because Was
1: it just like a huge set?
0: No. It <laughs> I don't mean to throw anyone under the bus. I'm obviously not gonna say any names. But Um, it was one of those, it was a weird instance where I was giving a, I was given a shot list without scene numbers. It was just Mm. interior, this exterior, this, this happens, this happens. I was like, how am I going to, how does one like schedule that? And like I said, I've never AD'd before. So I was like, maybe this is the right way. Or like, I don't know. I was just like a little sophomore working with a senior thesis, um, but essentially, like, me and the DP and the director were just never on the same page, and I struggled a lot with, like, trying to get – like, I think a lot. what a lot of people don't understand about ADing is that the job truly starts from day one on pre-production. Yeah. Because you have to work with every single department and be on the same page so everything goes smoothly on set because if you show up as the as the ad and like you're just sort of like all right well that's what i did at least like i showed up and i was like all right let's get this started (laughs) and and the director's blowing balloons for production design and she's like yeah we didn't get this done last night so we're doing it now and i was like wait why why didn't i talk to them about the production design and just little minor details like that and i even had like (laughs) it was so bad they like told me they were like, "Yeah, we're still setting up," so we pushed the actors call times later, and I was like, "Isn't that my job?" Like, <laughs> I, I I gave them the times. So that's when I needed them to be here and everything. Um, so it, I mean, I but I think that was a really great learning opportunity because right. I had to learn so fast on the fly on like what should be done and what shouldn't be done. Um, and I think what was really great was the, all the actors on that set were seniors as well. Um, and weirdly enough, it was the actors giving me advice on how to AD cause they've probably been on so many sets at that point. And to this day, I will never forget the main actor. He went up to me and we started talking about like what a good AD, like what, what I should be doing as an AD to like, make sure that like things get done, but I don't sound mean about it. Because that was my biggest thing. I was like, I don't want to be mean. I'm a little sophomore telling these seniors that we have to get (laughs) get the shot done. And he just told me, he was like, honestly, as an AD, you just have to be a respectable bitch. That's all you got to (laughs) do. And I and I live. Put that on a I live. Card. <laughs> I really do. I live by those words to this day. Like you can, like you can be a bitch about it, but you have to be respected at the same time. Like there's a difference, and I think people don't like some people. I mean, it's a stereotype. Ads yell, ads scream, ads tell you to like get this done in two minutes, blah blah blah. But people don't understand that your job as an ad isn't just to be a bitch about something. It's not, you don't rush a shot just to rush it just to like save time. You are rushing shots because if you don't, you lose the sun. If you don't, you uh, lose an actor. If you Hmm. don't, you don't have enough time to shoot the scene with this location that they just booked for one night because it costs $600. So you have to finish it in two hours sort of thing. Um, It's making sure that you that you set these standards on set of like what needs to be done and you set them in a very stern way as to like this is what needs to get like it like it's imperative that it's done this way, but all, but not being mean about it. Like you have to have this like as an AD, you have to have like this dominant voice in like wherever you're shooting, but not the loudest, most shrieking voice about it. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it makes total sense. And I'm so glad you bring that up because on the last episode with Nicole Barley, who is a writer and director, we talked about the um, almost generational idea of like that whole idea of still being kind and stern is not as imperative (laughs) it seems to the older generation of filmmakers Um, I talked about how I heard someone say like well there's always going to be someone on set that people hate and I like rejected that because like you can be stern and like because the rules have to be followed like you said like if you're going to miss an actor then all of a sudden that can mess up everyone's day mess up the whole film and so like as a first AD you're juggling all those things but that doesn't necessarily mean scream at everybody (laughs) so but it is a balancing act.
0: It really is, and I tell and I tell everyone this. And like, it's funny because everyone knows me by my loud voice. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I have a loud voice. But I tell everyone, I shout. I don't scream. Like I like as an ad. Like I said, like you ha- like your job, basically. A whole production has been spending so much time, so much money, so much resources on this three day like shoot. And your job is to make sure that everything they planned happens within those three days. And if it doesn't happen, that's on you because you like you are the voice on set, you know, and I always explain to like, you know, my friends and my family are like, what's a first AD? Right, And I always tell them, all right, the director handles all the creative choices, like every single creative choice you can think of on a set. The first AD handles everything else, like literally everything else. It's one of those like really rare roles where you have to work with literally every single department on set. And you have to like, be on everyone's good side, but also be aware of what's happening within every single department and how and what that could affect to other departments during that time, if that makes sense. Um I lost my train of thought a little bit, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well that's it's so like one of the reasons I was excited to have you on is because you are both a first AD and a director. And in a way those can be conflicting mindsets because as a director you want to take as many shots as you or as many takes as you want to get the perfect take and you want to you know get like creative shots and um you know you just want to see your vision come to life of course um and you don't want to you want to imagine that there's infinite time <laughs> to, to, to have that happen. And as an AD, you know that there's negative time <laughs> to yeah. do that. So, literally. I, yeah. So, something that I want to pick your brain about is whenever you are being a first AD, like you are first AD on junk. So, you are, of course, working with uh, Aiden Casey, the director, writer, and director, obviously very closely. Um, but then you're a director of like your thesis film meant for you. And are, of course, working in the first AD directly. So how does that knowledge of both sides of the coin affect your approach to both jobs? Like as a director, are you then more sympathetic to the scheduling? And then as a first AD, are you also more sympathetic to directors?
0: One hundred like 150 million percent <laughs> like <laughs> I'm so serious like there's and it's actually funny that like you mentioned that because that whole like as a director you want all the takes because it's I go into like a set as a director and I think I'm an AD like I know what needs to get done and like what needs to get rushed and what doesn't and to this day it's always like my first ADs on my films who are always like Sasha we need to get the shot done I'm like are you sure like be positive. Like, <laughs> um, and so, but like, it's also given me a better understanding of truly like what my film needs and like what needs to like get done, especially in pre-production. I worked very closely with my producers to like the point that we had so many camera tests and so many location scouts and costume like fittings and rehearsals. So, and I, actively stayed on that. So I knew on the day of me and my team, we were ready. Like we were ready for everything. And like my AD didn't have to worry about a costume, maybe not fitting or like my deep or like worry about my DP, not liking what shot we had, because we already went over all of that. You know, I was with, I was working alongside every single department to make sure that like filming went as smoothly as possible. And then on the other side, when I'm an AD, my favorite thing to work like I have all my meetings with the producers, I have my meetings with the department heads, you know, cinematographer, production designer, hair makeup, all of that. But I specifically have one-on-one meetings with the director to figure out first what their style is. Do you like more takes? Do you like less takes? Do you like to reset a lot? Or do you just like to like do you talk to actors in between every single take and all that? Because hmm. I know I know how I am as a director, so I want to know like how what their style is as a director. And I always ask them, you know, what scene is the most important for you emotionally? Because that's the scene that I'm going to pay attention to. And, you know, I do this on set where sometimes we'll be going through a scene and it's taking a while, but I know that big scene that the director wants to invest more time in is coming up and so I have to tell them hey we should probably do less takes of the scene so we can focus on this big scene that you really like need to work with your actors on um, so use like using that sympathetic mindset of like I know what it's like to have that big emotional scene that maybe you're not so sure as a director and like you want to make sure that you have enough time to like get what that scene needs done and so I try and give that to my um, when i'm ading i try and give that to my directors because at the end of the day it's a director who matters when i ad you know i then it's the it's i've i've never let it happen because i refuse to but it's just like i can't even imagine like i can't i wouldn't even like fathom not being able to get the shots that a director wants because we're out of time like because mm-hmm. i don't want that happening to me right. so i i i really do try like You know, if for some reason, like, a shot isn't working or maybe, like, a light is being – it's taking too long, I truly ask them, like, is there a way that we can alter it? Like, is there something that, like, what's your plan B in your head that, like, we could keep the shot somehow and we don't have to just take it off of the shot list? You know what I mean? Um, Because I – like, at the end of the day, like, yeah, that's – this is their story. This is what they're trying to tell. And um, I don't, like – I don't rush just to rush. Um, I want to make sure that the lights are set up, that makeup is ready, and all that. So the director has enough time to fully fully see his or her vision and not have just 10 minutes to do so.
1: Especially when it's something that is emotionally intense, I guess, is the right word to use because as a director you need to or at least i should say as myself as a director i kind of want to like sit in that space for a little bit with the actors and like get in the right headspace before you um you know tackle something that can be so intimate um so, you know, you talked about your thesis film, Meant for You, and I, and I want to dive into that. Meant for You um, was your SCAD senior thesis, and it's currently on the festival circuit, so it's not available online. But if you're listening to this, um, go into the description. You'll see Sasha's website, and you can see some, you know, stills and BTS pics and stuff from it like that. Um, but can you tell us what Meant for You is about?
0: Yeah, so Meant for You is a short sci-fi narrative um, that is about... Two young women who have been there together and they've been having sort of like problems in their relationship where they're a little distant but they've never really talked about it too much and what makes their relationship become more tense is... Um, they live in this sort of like near future where they have this smartwatch that offers these hologram apps. And it has all these apps that you can that are just supposed to make your life better, you know. One of them including this soulmate app that if you put two of the watches together while you have that app open, it tells you if those two people with those watches are soulmates. Um and so it start like it starts off as like a like, a little simple conversation of, like, why don't we check it, you know, and whereas one is super naive and just really thinks there's no harm that can be done because she genuinely thinks they're soulmates, the other one is a lot more hesitant and nervous because she loves this woman, but she doesn't know, like, how could she know what that watch is going to say, you know, Um, so it causes more tension in the relationship as they still don't really sit down to, like, truly talk about it they just sort of ignore it um and magnolia who's the one that didn't want to check the watch um she is just so like she didn't want to check the watch and she's just so overwhelmed by the idea of like w- what does this watch have to say especially in the midst of like all this relationship problems that she ends up checking the watch should i say the ending i'm not gonna say the ending.
1: Yeah, so, just I was I was gonna stop you because <laughs> we're on the edge of our seats, so that gives yeah, people to, so, <laughs> to go
0: see it. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, water. yeah." Um, but yeah, so um, that is what it is
1: about. Yeah. So, um, what in what way did Mint for You" cause you to grow the most as a writer and a director?
0: The script that I use on that set was most like most definitely script number like fifty something. I and you know, I feel like a lot of people feel this as a, as a senior like when you get into like your, when you're starting to get into your senior one class and you're starting to figure out like what you're going to do as your senior thesis, you think like this has to be the project. It's my oh, senior absolutely. thesis. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, like it has to be like the best of the best and it has to stand out, especially cause we go to SCAD, we have so many talented people in class with us and you're like, how am I going to stand out? You know, yeah.
1: I still <laughs> wonder that. I want everyone to know I'm still <laughs> wondering that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so I like I had winter break before I got to senior one. So I was like, OK, I'm going to every day I'm going to come up with an idea. I'm going to write this beautiful script and like I'm going to show up to senior one like day one and have my script ready and like whatever. But it's that pressure of like trying like trying to have the most perfect script that just was like roadblock after roadblock after roadblock um and so i just like just kept writing the same thing over and over and at points i was at times i was just like i just need to get something on the page do i know what's going on no but i just need something on the page to get the scene the beautiful senior thesis idea out into the world and it got to the point that i was just forcing these ideas and forcing these characters and forcing this god-awful dialogue onto these pages (laughs) it's like i don't know what i'm doing anymore and then i was like am i even gonna have a good senior thesis like is it is it gonna be worth it am i gonna feel proud to like have have written this If like because at some at one point it was just word vomit word vomit after word vomit and so it's funny because I took a step like I like the idea came to me in the most like non forced way at all. Like I was working at a Starbucks at the time and we worked next to an Apple store. And I remember that one time an Apple employee came in with like, airpods iphone apple watch and i was like hey what do you want to order and didn't even talk to me just or like didn't even look at me and just was like uh iced coffee and then like just like got his watch and like and then like left and i was like that's weird like he's just yeah. like no interaction whatsoever just like use yeah. his watch like just like stuck up his watch and use it and like left and then i don't know what like why that like invoked something in me but i was just like oh my god What (laughs) and so like from then on, I just like started writing down. Like I was like, okay, I want to write something about a watch, and I love writing. Like I love writing sad relationship stories, so I was like, okay, sad relationship story, (laughs) and so I kind of merged the idea of like a few, like yeah, futuristic watch and a sad relationship story, and then that's where um, right? That's where that came out, and so for me, it was just like as like it made me feel like I felt like a like at such a different level as a screenwriter because it wasn't that whole like trying to write just to write like it was genuinely one of those moments of just like pure spark of inspiration out of nowhere
1: the flow state
0: yeah 100% and then it just became this this screenplay that I absolutely fell in love with and it was the most critiqued screenplay i ever had in my entire life like i and i would tell people like rip it to shreds yeah like i yeah. i need like it needs to be good if it's not good then like what's the point and to go so deep into the theme into the characters even like the smallest of dialogue and what it could mean um like i worked like no joke like every single day for a good three months on the screenplay um and even with the pandemic I was supposed to shoot this in May COVID happened and then even the script that I had ready to shoot in May is completely different from the script that I had that I shot in November um so it was like this this screenplay as a writer and ultimately as a director was like the most that I like fully invested like literally every ounce of like my being into and it mm. felt really nice to to shoot it and be like this is exactly how I wanted to be
1: cuz that's that can be rare so
0: yeah yeah no definitely and i think like low key like this is really weird to say but the pandemic was like sort of like a blessing in disguise because it genuinely gave me the, the enough time to work out every single thing in that script to like make it the best that I could possibly make it.
1: I totally agree because I had to delay my senior thesis and I actually couldn't use it. Yeah. I couldn't (laughs) even use it as my thesis. I had to like use a backup project and I was just talking, but we're, uh, you know, we're filming blueberries in June now and like, we're, we're going to make it happen. But I was just talking to my, um, uh, my lead actor today. And, and you know, in a way, Like we're better filmmakers now than I was a year ago, even though I haven't directed anything like I have still worked on projects and have now been working in the industry for a few months and learned through that. And like just by the way in which we've had to mature over those past few months, I feel like makes me a more mature writer and therefore more mature director so yeah it's kind of as much as i wish (laughs) blueberries could have been my thesis and i i wish we didn't have to worry about covid obviously um for filming but in a way it it all works out in the end because like what the the one um asset that we cannot get more of is time and so by having to delay our projects we got the more time and so i'm actually really thankful for that
0: agreed 100 like it's it's so insane how even just like even a week more of preparation yeah. Yeah. can make or break a movie like it's we did crazy. that with junk we
1: pushed junk past we pushed junk like a month and we felt so much better <laughs> and we were like I know. that's all we need is four weeks i know it's good. crazy
0: it's just like you just like you need like you like to make a film it's important to like have the time to make it obviously but it's also important to have like little moments to breathe in between because like and unfortunately you don't really get that being at scad because it's like sometimes you got 10 weeks to produce to shoot to edit and just do everything whereas Mm. like with this it's like you were slowly producing it and getting it ready but also like taking in what that actually meant and taking in what set was actually going to look like and like taking in who you were going to work with and everything. And I think that's so like, it's so important because I hear like people all the time be like, Oh, let's just, just shoot something in like a month. Yeah, like a, we're just going to shoot mate. something in a month from now. And it's just like, uh, I mean, I guess, but like, don't you want time to like, actually like.
1: <laughs> think, think about, about it, a it? Bit. I don't,
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know? Um, but, um, So yeah, I think definitely like, and I mean, this is, of course, it's a given time is just always appreciated on, on for, to make a film, but it's like, I feel like people need to remember that, like the time is also for you as a director to like prepare yourself, not just for pre-production, not for just like checking off, like everything that you need, water bottles, location, all that, blah, blah, blah. Everyone could use more time in pre-production for that stuff. But it's also important to like, as A director to just like fully take that time to tune in yourself to the story to the characters and This this story that you just want to bring to life.
1: Um, I want to talk about another short film that you wrote and directed It's called her grand solo and it's not your thesis film. You you'd made it for um, Someone else. So can you walk us through what that film is like? Or what that film was about, I mean?
0: So her grand solo is about a young uh, ballet dancer who is getting ready for this huge audition that she has, um, sort of like what she's worked towards for her entire life. And then a couple days before her audition, she walks into her boyfriend cheating on her. And so now she's sort of like is dealing with this the situation that's happened as she's trying to get ready for this huge moment to her. But really, it's a story about what it means to let go and what it means to fully like make the right choices for yourself. Because she struggles with that decision. She even though like someone cheated on her and broke her heart, um, she's been with this person for a while, and it's not that easy to just cut someone out of your life and so as she's struggling with these feelings that she has for this person who was supposed to be the person who would never hurt her ever um she's also trying to figure out how she's gonna nail this audition and so basically the story i wanted to tell it because i think it's very important that people in these toxic abusive and just plain bad relationships like, I wanted it to be a story where people like this can realize that, like, yes, it's hard to be put in those situations and to deal with that and to say goodbye to someone that you love, but it will get better. And being there for yourself when no one wasn't will forever be the best choice that you can make. Um, so that's where I, I like I just started for fun one day. Um. Not for fun. It was it was because I, I, I knew people going through that kind of stuff, you know, people who had been hurt by their partners and just did not, like, it's not any, like, everyone says, if I get cheated on, I'm going to leave. But until you're with, like, that one person mm-hmm. that you've been with for, like, years upon years and they're apologizing to you and you don't know what to do because you're insanely broken by the situation, but you still have that love for that person, it's not black or white. And yeah. so... I wrote this film and also like, I, I also used to dance, um, growing up. I danced ballet. I danced jazz, belly dance, hip hop, like all of it. And I've always wanted to experiment with dancing on film. And it just so happened that, um, I, it's funny. I remember Barry Jenkins, the director of moonlight. He said that he wrote moonlight by going to Europe and just writing in coffee shops And I visited my aunt in Spain and I was like, I want to be like Barry Jenkins. (laughs) And I, I swear to God, I went to a different coffee shop every single day in Madrid, Spain. And I wrote the script and it just so happened that at the same time that I was there, there was a huge ballet um, event happening in Madrid. And so I got tickets and I went one night and I just watched everything unfold in front of me. And I was like, I want this. I want to see this in my film. And so I just sort of merged the two together and that's what happened.
1: If it works for Barry Jenkins, it's got to work for everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, honestly,
0: highly, highly recommend for everyone to go to a new city and just go to coffee shops and just write. I don't know what yeah. it is about it, but you feel so liberating, but also mm. very cool. Like to be that one screenwriter <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a yeah. European like coffee that's shop.
1: That's real main I'm character. My yeah, that's real main <laughs> 100%. character. One hundred percent. I think a lot of it has to do with like being in a new environment and not like being in your bed or in the coffee shops yeah. that you typically go to. I think there's like a, there's a lot of like psychology to that, you know?
0: Yeah, no, and I agree 100%. Even, like, like when I was writing the script, I thought about, like, dancing. Um, and if I wasn't in Madrid at that time, and I, like, that, like, and I had not seen that ballet, like, um, in the city. Like, I don't like it. I don't think the script would have been the same. And I wouldn't have been able to see ballet and Savannah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's very, it's very <laughs> right. interesting how, where you are in the world also influences your stories.
1: Absolutely. I'm home right now in Mississippi and, you know, blueberries is about home and it's about Mississippi in a lot of ways. And so this is my first time revisiting the script since I had to postpone it. And, um, part of that is procrastination but also part of that is the intentional of like i want to the next time i look at it to be in mississippi so i have that mm-hmm. at home mindset so yeah i, think I love there's a lot that of truth to that yeah um i love how you talked earlier about um empathy in your short films and wanting to bring that out of audiences and so i want to read a part from your website which i think really taps into like your impetus as a filmmaker and as a writer. Um, You said you want to write about people thriving against loss and heartbreak, and you want to explore the most vulnerable and intimate experiences that a human could possibly face and create a call for empathy. Why is that your North Star? Why is that something you always go back to?
0: I think, and genuinely, I don't know if this is a dumb answer, but as a Pisces woman, I am very emotional. <laughs> I really am. I <laughs> I I cry everything. Literally everything. I weirdly love sad movies. And I think the reason why I love sad movies is because I think sadness brings out this different type of vulnerableness in a person and it's sometimes actually very rare to see it's very rare to see someone like truly be sad in front of you at least in real life Um, and so to see it on a film where you can't look away you have to watch what's going on and you have to take in what why this person feels that way and you watching them on screen makes you feel that way I think it's a very powerful way of showcasing to different audiences, different perspectives, you know, and different ways of living and thinking that maybe they could have never imagined before. Um, And so I think, and for me, really, that truly is one of the biggest points of storytelling is telling something that people aren't used to or just don't know about or just are learning about. And so for me i um i really want like it's my friends make a joke they always say that my scripts are just really sad and just like just are never happy which is true for the most part but it's (laughs) just like but there's just something and at least like this is at least how i feel you know i i truly love watching a film and this is gonna sound very strange where something very tragic or traumatizing happens because I'm feeling like, even though I will never ever be in the shoes of that person that I'm watching on the screen in front of me in that moment, I feel what they're feeling Mm -hmm. and I'm going to stay with that feeling for the rest of my life. And so if something even remotely were to happen, I think to myself, like I've felt this way before, like I know how this feels and I don't know if that's weird to say but it's just like I think it's very important that you know people go about life not just with like this one um, with this narrow mindedness to like this is just my experience and this is what I'm living I tell these sad stories to tell all the facets of like how people are living and what they're dealing with and how they're dealing with it and why
1: that makes total sense I mean that's how we learn about each other and grow as people is just by via storytelling and trying to under like put our shells in other people's sh- shoes and trying to understand what they're going through so i think that makes total sense
0: yeah and like i said i just like i cried everything so i'm like i'm gonna make y'all cry
1: yeah i'm
0: not gonna be the only one crying at everything <laughs> And it's, like, funny. I've tried to, like, I for my directing narrative, I was like, I'm going to do a whole 180, and I'm going to do a comedy. And it was actually a script written by Haley Morris, who oh, nice. I love. She's the funniest person on this planet. Shout out to Haley Morris if you want a comedy script written, because every single word that comes out of her mouth is comedy gold. And so I reached out to her, and I was like, can you write me a script? Also about a relationship, but funny. And... I've struggled a lot. <laughs> I was just like, you know, I was just like, how am I going to keep this upbeat and cheerful and all that? Um, but it was actually a really great experience to like, just like, like a, a change of pace um, to like what I usually make. But it's it's kind of really weird to say that like, I, like my focus is in sad stories. But so far, like me as a writer and director, like that's what makes me most in tune to how I write and why I write. Mm -hmm. Um, and just sort of like what I feel as a person directly translated onto the page.
1: Absolutely. I want to bring up another thing on your website that, um, I learned a lot from looking at your website. So thank you for sending it to me. (laughs) Um, and like I said earlier, you can (laughs) find it in the description of this episode, but another thing that stood out to me is, um, right under your name, it said a proud Latina filmmaker. And I just want you to expand a little bit on that. And how you think that experience influences your storytelling.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think it comes to a surprise to anyone that slowly but surely representation is coming to the film world. Is it there 100%? No. Um, And so I felt that way a lot when I came to film school in Savannah And weirdly enough, I'm not even that dark of a person, but I'd be in a room sometimes. And I'm like, I'm the darkest (laughs) person in here. Yeah. Like no joke. And like, it feels weird to think that way. But sometimes when it's so glaringly obvious, that's all I think about. And I, um, I was born in Mexico. Um, my mom's side of the family is from Mexico. My dad's side of the family is Panamanian and I've grown up. In Mexico I've grown up in Panama um, and I grew up in Miami too so just like being Latino was like 100% my personality and I think um, with that comes uh, at least for me the idea of family and relationships was so prominent in my life and um, you know, I have a really great relationship with my parents. I talk to them about everything. I have a great relationship with my family from Mexico, a great relationship with my family from Panama. And what's really interesting about having these families from two different countries is even though, yes, they're both Latinos, um, very different culture, very different mindset. But overall, the Latino mindset is like, Very, like, very blunt, and like, they will say what they mean 100% of the time. And so, I think from that came this idea of storytelling that I just had so much in my head that, like, I couldn't, I had to, like, just write it out, just like do it. And I would gather all my family and just be like, Look at my little story I wrote. And they'd be like, Yeah, like, Latino families are just, at least in my experience, are just so supportive of everything. And of like, um, especially like my parents, they, they stereotypical story, they moved to the United States to like give me a better life. And so I was genuinely always like afraid of like, I'm going to disappoint my parents because they came to the United States and I want to see film. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, but it's, it's that, journey that they had in that sacrifice that like whatever i did would they would be proud of either way um and so because like they moved to the united states to like to make sure i had that choice that i didn't have to feel bad about choosing film and so from that just came like this immense like love and need to be like i will put 100 of me as a person into film and what i do with film Um, And, yeah, like I said, I think also there is a very strong need of just seeing more color in film. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I am dying, like, dying to go to Panama or go to Mexico to shoot a short film because I just think it's, like, it's 2021, Like, you know, like we just need we need to I think it's very interesting because this like my thesis would have been so much more different with the mindset of someone in Mexico or someone from Panama. Um, It's sort of weird to say that, but really like culture really defines who you are as a person and how you think and how you interact and how you deal with things. Um, And so I think as a screenwriter, it's very interesting to see how does where you're from affect to who you are as a person and what that story looks like. And so I am just very excited. I'm like trying to figure out my next short film. I like low key wanted to take place in Argentina. I grew up with so many Argentinians. They are the most like, okay, I said Latinos are blunt and like honest, but Argentinians (laughs) are a whole nother level. Um, like a whole nother level Um, and they're just so proud of their country and I just love Argentinian culture and I really want to explore that in one of my like next scripts that I write Um, but I just think yeah I think there's um, a very important like like I think there is a need to tell stories that are not just in the cis white american perspective so that's my hot take
1: <laughs> <laughs> this just the breaking news everybody you heard it here first i am so glad that you brought up about how your home affects what you make because i being from mississippi um and not knowing many filmmakers from mississippi um i think about that all the time and i think there's something really special about making a film about a place like blueberries isn't explicitly about mississippi obviously but like mississippi is is a character in blueberries in a way um but if i filmed that in savannah which like we could we could make it look like mississippi you know it wouldn't be the biggest change necessarily but it would feel different it would definitely feel different for me and i think it would feel different for the crew i think there's something really impactful about bringing my crew Taking them in my home right now. This is my the first episode of the podcast where I'm in my <laughs> childhood bedroom nice. Yeah, yeah, so welcome everybody um, <laughs> but uh, There's just something about like bringing my crew to my small town and introducing them to my family and just kind of showing them like Hey, this story we're telling here's where it happened. Here's what here's why I'm writing it, you know, and I and I mm-hmm. think They feel it too and I think it becomes a special experience for everybody and then the film itself has an extra oomph to it and um, mm-hmm. it just achieves that goal even more. So I, not that you need my support, but I support that decision hundred <laughs> percent. I think you should absolutely do that. Um, because you know, I film, I want to keep making as much stuff as I can here. Um, cause you just can't, you can't get it anywhere else in the same way if like if there was a savannah story you'd want to make it in savannah you know like it applies to every place because every place has yeah. has their thing you know so yeah. i love that and I you think, spoke about that
0: yeah it's really rewarding as a filmmaker to be like to go back to your roots and go back Absolutely. to like where you're from and like showcase that to the world because no one's gonna know what like who you are as a person and what your life was growing up 100 percent but you can give people glimpses right with short films taking place even if they have nothing to do with who you are as a person nothing to do with like your life and stuff like that it's you being like it's another level of you as a director being open and honest because it's coming from where you came from as a director um and just like sort of like showcasing to the world this little tiny piece of like how this whole story came to be um it's also
1: like fun it's also like yeah. i don't know there's yeah. just something the like really fun like, yeah what i have what's something that's been really fun to me is how involved the community gets like I, my town is about eight thousand people my parents are really involved in the community oh, so we know <laughs> almost everybody um and it becomes like a community film you know like i mm. went uh a film i made in 2018 we got to close down parts of main street and um i I went to the sheriff's office like the day before um or the day of because it was like a night shoot and i was like you know working with them planning on um closing it down and stuff and i told them i was like yeah i'm here to to see Chief So and So, I'm West Gibbons I'm with the movie, and they said, "Oh, you're Movie Man." <laughs> and they referred to me as yes, Movie Man, which we was love that. just yeah, I loved it. And they and were in so their heads, I was like, "That's definitely
0: the correct way to call someone."
1: <laughs> yes, <a> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so then I made the cast and crew only refer to me as Movie Man <laughs> for the rest of the show. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> West doesn't exist anymore. Movie Man only from here on. <laughs> um, movie Man. Yeah, but it just is so. Um, so cool to to film something in a place that stuff isn't filmed in because then everyone gets excited mm-hmm. about it. Like in New York, they're like, oh, you're a PA telling me to cross the street. They flip you off and they,
0: <laughs> you know, they're like, I'm so tired <laughs> of you messing I-
1: up my day-to-day life and stuff.
0: Yes. It, I'm very terrified of, of like m- like maybe someday peeing New York. That's like a whole different freaking level. Yeah. Um, to yeah. just like people being like, whatever we hate you and just walks right. past you and you're like
1: cool and, it's like, well, <laughs> and then they just I spit at you or something yeah <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> then it becomes like a an attack on you or something
0: um going back to like talking about like shooting where you're from, like, I was really excited because this time last year I was gonna help a fellow scat student with her senior thesis, um, Lucy Artigas. Yeah, Lucy she
1: Artigas. Was... We we had her on like pre-COVID whenever she was about to go. Know, we were in senior two together. Yeah, I know.
0: I, mean, I yeah, feel so I I Feel so she, sorry for her. She thankfully like had reached out to me. Well, she reached out to me because. Um, you know, we're both from Mexico. We're both in film. And she was like, do you want to produce it? And I was like, sure. And then I was like, "I." there was a time in my SCAD career where I produced a lot of things. But in doing that, I was like, I don't really like doing this. <laughs> uh, and so... I confided in her and I was like, look, I know that like it helps to have a producer who speaks Spanish and is from Mexico, but like genuinely, I really think that if you want someone to do like the best they can do at producing, maybe not me. But I love to AD, and so oh, wow. I offered to her because um, I knew she'd be working with crew from Mexico as well who um, knew English but basic English and didn't really know like too much to hold up on a film set. And so I was like, I can help. I can, like, work with our English-speaking crew and then work with our Spanish-speaking crew. And, like, that's what I love to do. So I'd make sure that it would go, like, really smoothly. And she was like, okay. And so I was really excited about that because even though it wasn't my film or my idea, I was still contributing to a film being made in Mexico and telling Mexican stories. And there's just also this idea of, like, a ding an overseas shoot that was equal parts terrifying and equal parts exciting as hell like I was just so because I like I, I was like looking forward to like the moment where like that short film would come out and be like we did that like yeah. we shot in Mexico and then two days before we flew um COVID happened this little and thing then called we COVID like,
1: if y'all have heard of it this little <laughs>
0: thing called COVID and we for a very long time were like what if we just still go but then we were like but what if they sh- like shut down the borders and then we're stuck in Mexico and I already had a plan I was like if we're stuck in Mexico we're going to my aunt's house like that's fine and like show me like genuinely like stereotypically like just make us tacos every single day i'd be fine (laughs) with that Uh, but um but i mean the right decision was made we did not go to mexico because everything else that followed was chaos um but but i was i was really excited to do that and i really hope um whenever lucy does get the chance to go back to that film um to still be a part of it because I was excited to tell the story again, just like so much work came into like perfecting the story and like working with Lucy and just like working with the actors and making sure that everything was ready. Um, it's just like, it, like we were ready. Like we were, we were, we were ready to shoot it. And then it just got, we were about to go and then it got shut down.
1: I know we were, we were the exact same way. And, and Lucy and I like had very similar conversations in class of like, What's the when do we make the decision? And it's so it's interesting to look back at that and be like, if only we knew what would what was gonna happen. Because we would have called it off weeks weeks before then. But yeah. of course we were operating yeah. with the information that we had at the time and like we no one knew what COVID meant. We thought it was gonna be around for like a month and here we are. Yeah. Doing a remote podcast interview I, thanks to us. <laughs> I
0: remember as an A D having the production meeting for um Like when we were all going to fly to Mexico. And I was like, all right, everyone, these are the hand sanitizers that you can bring in your bag. And like, just make sure you bring disinfectant wipes, like, wipe it down. Cause I just, the level that COVID ended up being, I had no idea. So we had an idea of like what was going on. So we were like,
1: just some hand sanitizer
0: and just like this (laughs) and that. And I'm like, oh, so naive. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah blissfully blissfully naive
0: <laughs> blissfully naive yep
1: so um you have recently graduated from scad and are now working professionally in the industry you've directed these amazing films and you first ad'd on other amazing films and you know you've worked on stuff that has had like really successful festival runs and gotten awards and um you know had had a lot of success in your career so looking ahead what is the impact you hope to leave on the film industry?
0: Oh going in deep with these questions, West <laughs> um I guess that's your job as the host um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess my impact that I want to leave is me as a filmmaker and we touched on it like I gravitate towards Telling real, vulnerable, and genuine human experiences through my films. And even the films that I work on as a first AD, it's more character-driven than plot-driven most of the time. And so I feel like the impact that I would hopefully could maybe have someday working in film is honestly what my website said you know i i'm glad that you brought that that that, that, like what my website said because i spent a lot of time thinking about what i wanted to (laughs) to say about myself as a filmmaker and truly Mm. like i um especially in these times of pandemic and politics and differences and just so much going on in the world where Like, it's very hard for people to connect and understand one another um, on different levels. Um, I really want my stories and the films that I make and the films that I work on to truly give people an understanding of what other people are like, what other people can go through, what other people feel and what other people think because if people are just stuck in what they think the world is like they're gonna have a very skewed perspective with the world and so I think it's very like filmmaking is very important to tell these stories that would have never been known about or talked about or even explored if it wasn't on a screen in front of you Um, And so I think I just really like I I genuinely and I have been talking like I've been telling myself a lot that I, I need to branch out more in the kinds of stories that I tell to involve themes, characters, plots that I have no correlation with whatsoever. I as a writer genuinely want to put myself in the shoes of someone I can never imagine myself being or with something happening that I could never imagine myself experiencing because most of my stories comes from either what I've experienced or what people around me have experienced. And so I think it's very important for me as a director and me just as a person trying to go about this crazy world um, and go about it with as much like kindness and understanding to put myself in those shoes that I would have never put myself before and like put that on a page and then put it on a screen. Um, so that's where I'm coming from. Um, I've always like, like I said, I'm a very empathetic person, like no joke. I, if someone around me feels sad, I feel sad. I cry. (laughs) I'm that person. Like I said, Pisces, my birthday was yesterday, actually March 16th. We love March Pisces. Thank you. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I feel a lot of feelings, and I want to make other people feel a lot of feelings.
1: I think that's the perfect note to end on. I have absolutely no doubt that you'll be able to make that impact on the industry. It was really exciting to you know learn more about you, you know, via your website. That is very well done. So good job on that. But also <laughs> just through this conversation, and you know, I'm glad we got to work together on junk, and I hope we can work together on many future projects as as our career unfolds. Um, So yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and do this interview audience listening to this podcast thank you so much for tuning in and the next episode will come out on monday at 9 a.m just like they always do and uh, if you're listening to the audio only version you should check out the video version on our youtube channel Um, linked to our channels in the description of this episode we've thrown up some behind the scenes pictures and other footage from sasha's stuff so you know you can get a lot of out of that experience from watching it so um sasha thank you again and i look forward to having you on in a couple years whenever you (laughs) done even bigger and better things
0: no thank you this was really fun and i think just just shout out to um you giving love to uh talking to an ad because genuinely um people i feel like have this really misunderstand what the role is of an ad and i just want to just end off by saying like a true and good ad will always put the story first and I don't know. I just feel like I have to advocate for ads sometime because it's not really talked about. So no, I <laughs> I'm hear glad. you. I have I'm glad so that much you... respect
1: for ads.
0: Yeah, I'm just really glad that like you like with the platform that you have allow. And I think it's really cool. Okay, just before you end off, like I think it's really cool that you do have like this variety of people who work on film to go onto your podcast to talk about these experiences and these roles because it's very important. Because at the end of the day. We're all just trying to make a movie. Um, And so I think it's important to talk about how each role tries to do that. And there's just sadly Mm. a really bad stereotype of ADs. And I just want to break that. Okay. I still say please and thank you as an AD. It's funny. I like whisper (laughs) sometimes. I'm like, you guys, please move out of the way. Thank you so much. Thank you. And then other times I'm like, all right, guys. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I appreciate it a lot. And it was really fun to like talk about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I um, you know, really appreciate you coming on and um, look forward to seeing what amazing stuff you do. Everyone, thank you for listening. Next episode comes out on Monday and we'll catch you the next one.